What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 452 of the Smart Cut Moments Smack Talk Podcast, Hot Tags of the Week, where we'll be breaking down some of the current events, rumors, news, gossip, and anything else that's gone down in the world of professional wrestling over the past few days that we feel like talking about. One of these days, I'm going to have to try to do that all in like one breath, including the introduction that follows, where I say that, hey, I'm Tony Mango. I got Steve Wango with me. What's up? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, specifically do a whole episode where I'll just start off and just be like, what's up? And just see how long I can possibly go in the episode itself. And then you fade out the sentence like you're falling off a cliff and then start over again. Yeah. Just be like, today we're going to talk about a lot of... Topics where we... <laughs> yeah. But we actually have quite a bit of topics to talk about. None of them, a whole lot of them are going to be like, you know, big 20-minute long discussions. That would take forever, even if that was the case. But, you know, there's a lot of little things and there's a couple big things. So we're going to just dive right into that. But before we do, we want to remind you to tell us what your thoughts are in the comments section below. If you're listening to us on one of those platforms that doesn't have a comment section, then you can't. So what you're going to have to do is go over to Facebook or Twitter at Smart Moment or go to the pages on smartcutmoment.com or the best thing out of all of it is to hop on over to the YouTube channel. And while you're there and you're listening to this, hit the little like button on the video, subscribe if you haven't done that already, and ring that little notification bell as well to be aware of when we get new things posted up on this channel. Um, yeah, leave a comment. Tell us your thoughts, because we're going to dive right in, starting right now uh, with maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the biggest topic. Maybe it isn't. I'm going to start with this, though. WWE has been apparently looking for different ways for them to host SummerSlam outside of the WWE Performance Center, because, man, it is getting so frustrating watching the same exact show every single week for, you know, seven hours or whatever. And when they do the pay-per-views, it doesn't feel all that special. And they want to do something. and they're looking apparently at all these different areas that they could possibly do something with. So far, it doesn't seem like it's really worked out all that well. They don't have anything confirmed, or at least the reports that are talking about this don't have anything confirmed. But it seems like they are looking for a means to have SummerSlam either on a boat or, I guess, and or on the beach somewhere with or without fans. Now, of course, I doubt that the fans are going to be an option as much. The boat might be an option. The beach might be an option, but it doesn't seem like they've been able to do that so far. In theory, if they're able to pull off one of these things, what do you think? You got like a preference or anything? Yeah, definitely. The boat sounds kind of awesome. SummerSlam is meant to be the runner-up to WrestleMania. It's They're almost at WrestleMania. And it just being in the performance center is going to feel like a drag. If they want to make it special, they need a really cool atmosphere. So something like either a boat or the beach would be great, but preferably the boat because I don't think WWE has ever done that before. Obviously, we've seen it with Chris Jericho when he does his cruise, and people seem to say that went over well. It's going to be weird, though, if they can't bring fans on there or if they can sell a package to a certain amount of fans because they're in international waters. I don't know. That would be kind of interesting if that's how they do it, is international waters. They just get in trouble with, like, uh, you know, bringing them back to the United States or something. <laughs> I don't like the uh, boat idea because I feel like there isn't a way for them to not look sad. Like, the whole um, Jericho Booze Cruise, or what, what was it called again? The Rockin' Wrestling Rager? I think that's something like that. It's, it's like some super long title. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Razor at Sea, number two, the the Reckoning Returns with uh, more boats, or I don't know what the fuck. But uh, it's something that I think, it, that only really worked because they had a lot of fans packed in there. And if WWE can't do that, it's going to just seem like a couple people wrestling on a, an empty boat. And that's going to feel weird, you know? I think if they can't get fans, I'd rather it be the beach, actually. Just because then at least it's got a different vibe to it. And it looks empty, but it doesn't look empty because of a lack of people. It's just empty because it's, you know, the beach is kind of empty sometimes. Oh, we just don't hold SummerSlam in the typical sense. And we hold Summerfest instead on the boat and just watch all the wrestlers get shit faced. I'd rather watch a drunk Brock Lesnar than just watch another wrestling event with no fans for three hours. 
Well, then maybe instead of Summerfest, because they can't get like a boat or a beach kind of thing or whatever to make it real summery, maybe they do Fest Slam. <laughs> slam Fest. There you go. They could do one of those too. Now somebody's going to go trademark them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I like the idea of them doing something different though, and I really hope that they're able to pull this off. If they don't, and it's in the Performance Center, it's not the end of the world, but it's still just going to be blah. Like they've had every pay-per-view since then there and it just seems like it's the regular episodes of raw and smackdown and everything so i want them to do something different and i, I can't even, remember the last time that they did a beach thing i wouldn't mind even if they just did different matches in different places because it's summer i mean you could get away with two guys having a match at a water park you've got a whole bunch of different options especially something like an r-truth segment for the 24 7 mm -hmm. title you know have him running around with uh, Sheldon benjamin or something like you, everyone remembers the crash Holly in the ball pit and fondly. Um, I forgot what that place is called, but they could definitely do something similar like that at a water park with our truth. That'd be hilarious. And it's not like they don't do these cinematic things anyway. So just go ahead and figure out some other locations and film them at different times. You can film the, uh, if you do like an R truth thing or a water park thing or whatever like that, if you do it, and you do it days in advance, then you don't have to worry about the filming as much. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I like the, the beach idea because it has been a while. Like They've done a couple outside things, and obviously they've had outside things that aren't the beach, like the Tribute to the Troops, for instance. They've done that outside before. and um, you know Luger had that whole thing with Body Slam and Yokozuna. So they've done outside things they've done beach things in the past but i always thought that SummerSlam should have more of a beachy summery feel to it and if aew can pull it off with fighter fest and bash at the beach SummerSlam, come on wwe you could do something there, there's got to be places in florida for them to have chunk off a section of the beach and film you know you'd think so especially with how lax florida's been with their fucking rule set Especially since it seems like WWE can just do whatever in Florida and they're like at least the option that can just do whatever they want. I'm sure if they told Ron DeSantis like, hey, we want to section off a bed of this beef, uh, beef, uh, yeah, just uh, a bunch of uh, steaks, um, this section of the beach and we're going to set up a ring and we're going to have, you know, some matches there. We're going to film that from like, 10 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock at night. We're going to do a couple matches. Film it ahead of time. There you go. I'm sure it's fine. So if they don't to... do something, I mean, it's going to seem kind of strange to me. I mean, if they really want to get away with it, we just saw UFC go to Abu Dhabi and just borrow their um, island and call it Fight Island. So they could easily find somewhere to record. There's got to be options. There's definitely options. It's just how much are they willing to spend? Yeah. Well, that's uh, <laughs> something that we should talk about here. I actually don't have it listed down on my um, my hot tags. I might have to change that. But uh, WWE has apparently made like record profits <laughs> throughout this whole thing. The reports of uh, the potential of them making profits a couple months ago, it was around like the, the 10 million mark or so. A lot of people were talking about how, you know, while they released a bunch of people, so maybe that would be a good way for them to make a lot of more profit than they would have normally in this kind of scenario. And the fact that they did that, plus they haven't been working with traveling and they haven't been doing anywhere close as much of the traveling costs and production costs as it is. Apparently it's somewhere around $51.6 million that they saved. But they couldn't afford Zachariah. No, <laughs> that that's it, right? Like they they can't afford to have a lot of these people on the roster yet. They make that much just in savings. The one report says they had for their uh, the revenue report two hundred and twenty four point four million dollars, and in the previous one two hundred and sixty eight point nine. Now that, of course, it came with the Saudi Arabia deal, so you bump it up when it comes to $50 million or that kind of thing, but that is, it's crazy to me, especially since it seems like the ratings are going down, but they just saved that much money that they ended up having over $200 million in revenue. 
all those talents that they released can't be like much of that. I I feel like they just wanted to release a bunch of people and they just used the COVID to justify it. Mm-hmm. That all they panicked because the numbers don't seem to add up unless these guys were getting that overpaid. Maybe Scott Steiner's doing the numbers. Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my 33.5%. Yeah, I mean, that's how they calculated who to release. Is they were like, well, if you take your 33 and a third percent, you add my 64 and whatever. But yeah, it's like, I, I, and I know that there's millions of dollars potentially on the table that they are saving from not having the Good Brothers in there and this person and that person, whatever like that. But a lot of this has to be just the lack of expenses because they are filming things a lot easier. They don't have to pay the ring crew as much to go out there. They're not really setting anything up all that different. They don't have to travel and use the trucks and uh, play for uh, pay for tickets and you know. Do you know what this highlights though? How little they're making on tickets from actually fans. Because if yeah. they don't, if they've not been able to sell tickets to fans this whole time and they're still making that much money, man, why do they even give a shit about like the audience? Kind of makes you wonder if maybe in the future they're not going to run as big of venues or I actually prefer that less fans in a smaller venue is much louder it feels more interactive i prefer that unless you're like the only time i want to see a big arena is when it really is packed i hate like seeing chunks of it missing well you gotta figure a lot of those episodes of raw and smackdown over the years they've been tarping off like half of the arena yeah, and definitely. if they i don't know how it actually works maybe i'm totally wrong and if i am drop a comment below but like uh i would think that they that it would cost more to run a bigger venue than it would be to run a smaller one. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. Is that like one of those things that they, like the, the agreement is kind of different like that? I imagine that WWE has got a lot of negotiating power because they're going to be running shows on the regular basis. In addition to that, for some arenas, let's say back when the, um, what was the Detroit one that got played knocked down recently? The Joe Lewis. Um, an arena like that only had so many um, events happening at it. They're probably up against a wall when negotiating. So maybe WWE keeps running these bigger shows because, well, it's affordable. Maybe. But I got a feeling that they have to, they have to at least look at this and say, maybe it's not as good of an option to to travel as much or... Maybe, you know what, maybe it is an option to do that, but maybe just not doing the house shows anymore. If you cut that out entirely, they miss out on some stuff, but they probably don't miss out on a lot of traveling expenses. Because you do have to set up a lot of things. You don't have to set up, like, the full raw set and all that other kind of stuff, and not everybody travels to them, but, you know, they don't pay for everybody's travel and everything anyway. So if you got to move the ring around and you got to do a lot of things like that, they might be like when things quote unquote go back to normal, they might be looking at this and saying, let's do more shows like this or something. And I really hope that that's not the case as far as the, uh, the aesthetics go. Like you need the fans. So you need to have fans there, but I don't know. I mean, to make that much money and to save that much money, it's got to get them thinking. Yeah. I could definitely see them doing some cost cutting measures, especially until they get the audience back up. And we don't know when that's going to happen either, too. So, Because I imagine their negotiating power next time that they've got to deal with Spike or deal with the USA Network. They're not in the best position right now. It'll all depend, I think. If they can bump up their ratings to, I guess, like the level that it was before or maybe even a little bit better, I think that they'll be in a massively good spot because then they could even go, remember how everything sucked during COVID and we kept running shows? Don't you want to have a program on your network that you can rely on that can always find a way, that kind of thing. But if the ratings keep tanking and it ends up being like, it doesn't matter if you can still keep running because nobody's watching the show, then, you know, we're in a weird time. It really is so strange. I did not expect this to happen this year. I'm really interested. Everything gets thrown around. I'm really interested to know what the next quarter is going to look like. We figured the next quarter is going to incorporate anything that's a boost from SummerSlam and then the downside of potentially people going back to school and not um, being at home and dealing with more stress and more problems like that 
maybe another wave of COVID because everything in the next fall is going to be a whole big thing like that. So yeah, it's it's going to be strange. Strange times indeed. I just don't know why. I, f- I feel like they're going to be okay in the long run because it's WWE. It's like the turd that you can never flush down. But if things keep to go in the way it is, the immediate future of WWE by the next two quarters could look very different. And you know what? It might even be one of those circumstances where if they save enough money over the course of this pandemic and they end up going like in the more positive kind of direction, 2021, they might go on like a hiring spree and they might bring a whole bunch of people into the company that were brand new or indie people or sign people back again or something like that. And that might be kind of strange too. It'll be one. It'll be interesting to see how many bridges they've burnt when they released all these people. But I imagine some people will come back as long as they wave enough money. There's certain people I would assume probably aren't going to come back, maybe ever. Like I can't picture uh, the Canellas uh, duo coming back. They yeah, feel that seem to end really, really roughly. Yeah, I don't think that the Good Brothers are going to come back. I would assume at some point if they were to hire like. Kurt Hawkins, he'd probably be like, all right, <laughs> you know, like some I honestly, people. I honestly see Heath coming back. Yeah, I can see him coming back for sure. And if he wins the championship and becomes like, makes the whole 3MB thing where everyone's been a WWE, WWE champ, I'll laugh at that. Well, then at that point, it's going to be like, all right, now we need Hornswoggle to win because <laughs> he's the fourth <laughs> member. <laughs> well, WWE has signed one new person over the course of this whole pandemic. It's not been announced officially on the website or anything like that, but reports are going around, and it seems like it's been the case, and that's Leon Ruff, who is a member, well, was a member of the Evolve roster. And uh, Evolve went down. It seems like WWE's bought them out. So maybe he's just the first of many, or maybe he's one of the only other people that they actually decided to bring on board and put in the NXT roster or so, but... He's been wrestling quite a bit. He's lost every single one of his matches, of course, and he's lost to people on Raw and on NXT, and I'm pretty sure I think he might have wrestled on SmackDown, too. He's wrestled on 205 Live, I think. What did you say his name was again? Leon Ruff. Leo Rush? I thought they fired that guy. No, Leo Rush is fired. <laughs> this is Leon Ruff. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough, yeah. So they replaced Leo with Leon, Rush with Ruff, and I haven't seen much of him. I mean, he's Small, he's thin, he jobbed Are you well. sure this isn't Leo Rush? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's his whole idea, is Leo Rush was like, hey, I'm not um, I'm not wrestling anymore, but Leon Ruff is, and I'm going to you know, transfer my essence into him or something. But he's been signed, and some other people have been signed elsewhere. Eddie Kingston has signed with AEW, and it seems like Ariana Andrew were Cameron, as she used to be called in WWE, and Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zack Ryder, are also part of AEW. We don't know for sure if they are signed signed yet. Seems like Zach Ry- uh, Matt Cardona is uh, on like a couple of appearance kind of deal, and uh, Ariane is potentially just doing this Deadly Draw tournament or something, but maybe not. You know, AEW tends to bring people in and then they didn't officially announce them as signed, and then in a month or something like that, they tend to announce them anyway. Like FTR officially signed, quote unquote, this week. But Eddie Kingston, I know you got some feelings about. So Eddie Kingston, I just can't stand as a character. He's, his promos, I just can't understand. He's just so loud and obnoxious that I guess it's part of the gimmick, but it's such a turnoff for me that I just have to wait till he's off the screen. <laughs> so, I mean. I've never really been impressed by his in-ring work. A lot of people are high on him. I don't get it, but hey, if you're happy about it, great. As far as uh, Zach Ryder getting signed, Matt Cardona, that's his real name. Mm -hmm. He had really white armpits. (laughs) Really, really white armpits. The tan job was terrible. So I wanted to be go, oh, that's a decent debut. But no, all I saw was white armpits. Um, actually, as far as debuts go, it was really awkward. A lot of these guys are having 
having debuts that lack oomph uh, and don't feel like a moment because the fans aren't there. Yeah, that is a real disappointment with a lot of these because we didn't get one with Brody Lee. We didn't get one with Matt Hardy. We didn't get one with Brian Cage. It's getting to the point where I'm used to it a little bit, but it is weird when it's like Cody was fighting Warhorse and uh, who had come out? I'm like a uh, Dark Order. That was what it was. Um, they came out, they attacked, and it's like, hey, who is this? Oh, that's Matt Cardona. And it's like, he, first off, he's not Matt Cardona to me yet. So that's already strange. It's weird when somebody starts, you know, oh, is that Heath Miller? <laughs> like that kind of thing. And you're like, it's, he's been Slater for 10 years. And no, and it's like, well, Zack Ryder. I heard they didn't even use his last name. He's just Heath now, isn't it? Oh, God. Is that, ugh, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> Heathcliff uh, over an impact and like, yeah, Kurt Hawkins isn't the biggest name in the world, but I know Kurt Hawkins. And when they say that's Brian Myers, I don't feel like that's somebody. And Matt Cardona, I don't, doesn't feel like somebody, but it's even weirder when it's just like Tony Schiavone being like, Hey, it's Matt Cardona over there. Like, wow, look at that. He came in and there's no reaction. It's just sort of, that's a thing. You guys know him. It just felt flat. Even Matt Hardy's felt weird. Uh, luckily, he's eccentric enough where it filled some of the silence. But a lot, much like that, Zack Ryder could have had a much bigger debut. I wonder if it was worth waiting for the fans to come back, but I don't know how long that's going to be. I think at this point, they just have to start acting like it's not happening for months and just do shit, you know? What about Cameron? You think she's got something more to offer than what she did when she was in WWE? No. <laughs> um, yeah, we got that. We got, um, you mentioned this a little bit with the, the Matt Hardy thing. Let's kind of talk about that for a moment. Matt Hardy said that he thinks that now is not the time to have all these different sorts of characters. So he just wants to be Matt Hardy. And he was just Matt Hardy this week. And I'm not quite getting it. I'm feeling like this is either. Maybe it's like he's feeling disappointed that he didn't get that big pop and he can't get all these reactions from his character. And it feels weird if you're trying to do the delete thing and there's nobody in the crowd. So maybe he's just like, oh, I'll just be Matt Hardy until fans are there. Then I'll go back to being Mr. Multiple Personality Disorder type thing. I don't know, because the whole character was established essentially via online on videos without crowd. You'd think you'd be used to it. He's a bizarre. I'm actually really disappointed that he wants to drop that, and I hope it isn't just him losing motivation with it, and it's actually a part of a story. Because, frankly, it's the most interesting thing Matt Hardy's done since getting cheated on. <laughs> That's awful, but it's kind of true. It's true. Do you remember like, when he did the the black cloud thing? Black he was cloud. he was attacking Jeff all the time, and he's like, "I'm going to be a black cloud that's hanging over you." Oh and all that. yeah, he switched to the tight. He was kind of getting pudgy in the guts, and it was really awkward. I remember that feud. I remember being so disappointed that they wasted the name Black Cloud because I was like, "That would have been so good for somebody to be like that." That's like their main nickname, and it's not going to work for Matt Hardy, and it didn't. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, actually, before we move on, let's a uh, quick little plug here. If you uh, want to help support us in some fashion, then consider uh, buying something from the catalogs that we have. The merchandise shops are Redbubble and Tee Public. They're there for Fanboys Anonymous, for Smartout Moment, and for a Mango Tees. So if you want some stickers or t-shirts or mugs or whatever different designs and uh, product options that are out there, go ahead and browse. See if there's anything you're interested in. Let's go over to Twitch. Well, not like, you know, we're not going to leave YouTube, but let's talk about this. Uh, Rusev, or Miro, as he's just going by now, he said that he's done with wrestling and that he's going to focus entirely just on his Twitch channel. And then he promptly got banned for a short amount of time. <laughs> Apparently because of Lana, I guess. Lana walked by in like a bikini and like, that was enough for them to just be like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. Like, that's super disappointing, especially considering some of the people that Twitch actually highlights and backs and sponsors. Uh, you've got a Twitch streamer named Alinity who was fed vodka for her to her cat, thrown it across the room, Jesus, grabbed her dog in the face and shook it, and um, had nip slips on a, at least one occasion. Yet she's 
continued to be put on a pedestal and <laughs> looked after by Twitch. And apparently Lana walking past in a bikini is enough to get Rusev banned. I think that's kind of bullshit. And I'm returning to Twitch soon, so I'm hoping I'll have better luck than he does. Well, that uh, goes rid of all your plans to have Lana walk by in bikini all the time. I, mean, I, know. I don't know what you're going like to do now. Massive deal that I was working on is yeah. just yeah. totally gone tits up now. So now you got to be an animal abuser and have some nip, nip slips, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, nip slips and I guess plenty of animals getting vodka. Shit. <laughs> well, that's uh, something to look forward to when he gets his channel back, I guess. I'm assuming that he'll probably just get it reinstated and things will be fine. But it's it's kind of bullshit if that's the case. And it's it's funny timing to be like, you know, I'm going to focus entirely on Twitch. And then Twitch is like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's sort of... Yeah, I felt so bad because he seemed so infused to go into like this new line of work. He was clearly jaded on wrestling, and I don't blame him. I'm disappointed yeah. that he's retired. I don't think he'll stay retired. He's, what, 34 years old, I think? So uh, he'll be back. Yeah, I'm assuming that he's just going to take some time off. And, I mean, if he's not signed with a company, if you're working on Twitch, you don't have a no-compete clause. You can go wrestle if you wanted to and just, you know, wrestle one shot once in a while. And then come back to his uh, house and just be like, all right, now I'm going to play a video game for a while or be on the road and eh, I'm going to set up my stuff and do stuff like Xavier Woods did or something like that. Like, there's plenty of options to do that kind of stuff. And I'm sure he'll get the itch at some point, maybe when fans return or something, and he'll he'll come back. He'll go to some company in some fashion. Maybe it's WWE, maybe it's AEW, and he'll wrestle again, I'm sure. Frankly, I see him coming back to WWE. I reckon he's probably not going to make the same money that he's going to make, or that he was making before. So he'll focus on doing some projects. Let's say let his body heal up, not be on the road for once. Finally, get some time with his wife alone. And I could see WWE when they're back on that hiring spree, which they are inevitably going to go on when things start turning out okay. Definitely picking up a Rusev again, mm-hmm. bringing him back, feeling like, well, we got one of our own back, and kind of like not making up for past mistakes, but sort of like absolving the issues of that a little bit. You know, if you, you can't hire everybody back that you fired and I'm sure that they wouldn't want to. And a lot of those people probably wouldn't want to come back to like Deanna Parazzo does not seem like she ever wants to go back, but some of those people, if they bring us like some of them back, they're going to think, all right, well, we didn't do that bad. You know, we got him a job again and that kind of thing. So I think he'll be back. Um, but for at least for now, you got to get that Twitch channel back up. Frankly, I don't feel where he fits in compared to other places. He doesn't feel exactly like he'd fit in an AEW. Um, his style doesn't really go with their guises. Uh, New Japan, I'd like him there, but does he really want to go to fucking Japan? And also, you can't get over there right now because of the uh, situation uh, with flighting. So WWE only like feels like the best place for him to call home. Yeah, I mean, if he were to go to Ring of Honor, it would feel strange because he's not that style of a performer. The AEW stuff, maybe, but it doesn't feel like that's as great of a fit. Like, certain people, they do feel like they go in certain places. Like, it's not shocking me that Matt Cardone is in AEW. I think that that can probably fit. And if you were to say, like, I don't know, like a... Try to think of somebody from AEW. Like like MJF, if he were to go to WWE, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, he'd gel perfectly there. He's definitely one of those guys. And Rusev, as much as Rusev can go in the ring, but he's not like the greatest performer in the world. He's very character-based, and he just fits WWE much better. I can't picture Rusev in MLW, for instance. I can kind of picture him in Impact, maybe. But it would be weird if he were to go to like Ring of Honor or... Like uh, yeah. NWA, like I can't picture Rusev in NWA. For some reason, Impact would feel less weird to me than AEW for him. Yeah, and the only way I could see like an uh, an NWA is if he had like an over the top character, like if he wanted to play the Bulgarian brute again, and he was like full blown old school Rusev or something, where it's like you I know the the old NWA Iron Sheik type. Would- you're right, NWA Rusev would work if he went back to that, because it's perfect for that environment. If he was just like Miro on you know, Rusev Day, like that type of stuff, though, nah, that wouldn't work. Oh, this is a random note that I have. This isn't really a hot tag, but I thought it was funny. Uh, you know how like certain people do cameos? Mm-hmm. 
Well, some dude the other day spent 400 bucks to ask Alexa Bliss out. <laughs> oh, I saw, and like, one, that's gonna be so awkward for her to receive. Right, because um, she wants the money, but it's like, uh <laughs> Shoot, like, imagine paying $400 just to have be told, you'll find somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, she handled it the best way she could, she was super nice about it, but I feel bad she was even put in that situation. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and the guy, I'm assuming it's a guy, that um had bought this in the first place, like, you just wasted $400 for that? Really? $400. That's not a small amount of money. I mean, it depends on how rich you are, I guess, you know. Somebody, like, uh, what's the dude, uh, the Amazon guy? I'm blanking on his name, Jeff. Jeff Something. Bezos? Yeah, like, for him, $400 is like, you know, it's absolutely nothing. It doesn't even register. But... You know what that guy for... could do? He could take that four hundred, save it, save another four hundred, and save another two hundred, and then become the producer of Smart Out Moment by donating to the Patreon. <laughs> and you know what? That's all of a plug right there, and it's true. If he would have spent that money, you know, four hundred dollars can get you a lot more uh, on the Smart Out Moment Patreon than it can on an Alexa Bliss cameo. <laughs> And even a dollar goes a long way, though. So if you want to help in that way, you got the little spare change to throw our way, then that's great because $10 and up gives you access to the Dark Cast. And those are Patreon-exclusive episodes. We have a couple of them up, uh, at least one of them up a month. We've been doing a couple more of them, so you're going to get some more coming your way pretty soon. And uh, the same thing applies to Fanboys Anonymous. If you want more Fanboys Anonymous content, which, of course, if you go to fanboysanonymous.com, you'll figure out what the hell I'm talking about. Then donate to the Patreon for Fanboys, and you will see more podcasts. And, well, you'll hear it, maybe. And you'll have plenty of other articles and editorials and different things up on that. The more support that you guys give, whether you're sharing things, liking things, donating, whatever, the more word that you get out there and the more that I can dedicate to these two websites, then the more that you get. That's how it works. Um, let's see here. Let's go over to the WWE Network. Multiple tier idea seems to be on hold. That's been something that's happened quite a bit here and there. They talk about it, then it disappears. They talk about it, then it disappears. They run some kind of a survey asking people what they would want, and then it disappears. Now it seems like it's disappeared again. I don't know why that would be the case if they just got Evolve and whatever the other uh, promotion was. I forget. You would think that now would be more than ever a time for them to say, well, we have that free version of that and we've got these other companies and let's put this out there and try to get some more money. But somewhere down the line, they're going to have multiple tiers. It's going to happen. Well, it seems like it's going to be anytime soon, though. Yeah, I think it's going to get delayed for a while because if they're already suggesting taking that off the table and waiting for a while, it suggests to me they're losing and hemorrhaging more subscribers. Um, at the end of 2019, I believe they had 1.3 uh, million. Uh, you got to remember, at one point, they had 1.9 million subscribers, so they've definitely tanked. You know, I don't think that it would be a bad idea if they did this multiple tier thing and offered it as exactly the thing that it is now, but that there's also a step up and you get more. Because I think that, like, you're paying nine ninety nine right now, and you're getting the pay-per-views. And that's what, really, ultimately, that's what people want. Because now we don't have NXT anymore. So what's the draw? It's the pay-per-views. Nobody's really going to be like, I'm going to spend $10 a month to watch three episodes of uh, Break It Down and the day of Backlash and whatever. That's not that much of a draw. It's the pay-per-views. And if yeah, they... like, I just watched 205 for the first time in fucking ever, and it certainly ain't that. Yeah, you're not going to be watching it. And I'm one of the few people that watches 205 Live. And I wouldn't be willing to do that if they didn't have the pay-per-views. The pay-per-views are the draw. And if they keep that, if they keep everything exactly the way that it is right now, and then they just say, hey, for an extra $5 a month, you can get access to this extra grouping of non-WWE shows, like Evolve and some old school content, whatever. Not many people are going to do it, but maybe some people will. And then you're not losing any money because you're not telling people you're taking a downgrade and you have to justify paying more for it. If you tell people that the pay-per-views aren't going to be on there anymore and you have to spend $15, a lot of people aren't going to be willing to do it. And that's being greedy. But if you just go, well, we'll offer you some more if you want to pay more. 
there's going to be some people that'll do it. Because you know, yeah. there's people that'll do like, oh man, I I watched the network just because I watch old WCW events and whatever, like that kind of stuff. And I kind of liked their idea of what they said before as one of the options where they said maybe another tier is for five dollars a month you get access to everything except the pay per views. Yeah, just do an archive, just do an archive, and then you for the pay per views you have your normal whatever a month and then maybe for $15 a month they can start making exclusive content because they always talk about doing exclusive content it's always crap you could actually put some money into it yeah and when we get to the point where they can do those house show things that they were talking about where they were doing like smackville and all that crap then if they can record or you know they don't even need to uh, record new ones if they just put up videos of old house shows as part of that $15 tier I'm sure there's some people that are going to want to be watching that. They're going to be interested in seeing these matches that have never been shown before. I mean, you could like offer it for $5 more. You can go on tour with WWE and see us on the road. Yeah, there you go. That's the live tour package thing or something like that. And it gets you access to more, but you're not losing anything. And if, hey, maybe you can't afford $10 a month and maybe you really want to watch a lot of the old episodes of Raw and whatever, and you don't care about the pay-per-views each month, $5 $5 a month. So you give people options. You got the free option, the $5 option, the $10 option that's currently the way that it is now, and the $15 one. Hell, maybe you even give them a $20 option and you say you're giving them a hell of a lot more like that. Maybe that's the the live house show thing and maybe the $5 more is the evolve and everything. So it's like the $10 is the standard package that 15 is the, the standard plus and the $20 is the ultimate package or whatever the fuck. I don't know. You'd have to talk to some marketing department about that, but doesn't seem like right now is the time to do it, but eventually they're going to do it. And if the, if they want to make the biggest mistake, they'll take the pay-per-views off and try to charge people more. Cause people aren't going to do that. That's not happening. I want to see them do it just to see how fucking, I just want to see a good blow up in their face and them have to realize how delusional they are for even suggesting it. Do it for one pay-per-view and see the network subscription goes from a million down to like eight people. Because <laughs> <laughs> they would lose. In that first month, I'm sure after people realized that they didn't get the pay-per-view, I'm sure people would just be like, all right, then fine, I'm not doing it. And then the next time around, they'd see some, probably a quarter of the people would just disappear if not half, maybe even more. There's little reason to have the WWE Network without the pay-per-views because their original content is nothing to be inspired. It's the equivalent of a YouTube show. Yeah. And and that's the truth of it. They've produced things on YouTube that are better or of the same quality. So, yeah, without the pay-per-views, it's absolutely worthless. And it's weird about the pay-per-views, too, because... Here's the situation that we got going on right now. We got we're building up to SummerSlam. NXT is building up to Takeover, which is happening right before it, the day before Saturday. But apparently, there's more confirmation now that the week after SummerSlam, we're going to get another pay per view, and it's going to be Payback making its return. So WWE wants, in theory, people to watch three pay per views over the span of eight days. Oof, and people say that, like, I actually get people argue when I say that WWE is oversaturated, but three pay-per-views, and then how many hours of programming do they expect you to watch a week, especially if you include all the sideshows? Crap. It's bad. You got three hours of Raw, two hours of NXT, two hours of SmackDown, 20-something to 40-something minutes of 205 Live. You've got this recap thing of NXT UK because they can't run new shows. That's however long that is. I haven't been watching that. You got uh, the two hours of NXT. I already mentioned that. Um, You got, I think it's an hour of main event. You've got all the stuff like the bump and they used to have backstage. So they were an hour apiece. You've got YouTube videos with the fallout interviews and whatever. And you've got at least one network special a month, uh, a week. All that stuff. It's like, you know, 15 hours worth of uh, material. And then they go, hey, three pay-per-views in a row. And it's like, that's really exhausting. And I'm assuming that SummerSlam is going to be hurt from this. Yeah, definitely. They've just, they have a bad, they have issues building to pay-per-views as it is. And they have issues. And apparently they've been having issues coming up with more ideas for cinematic matches. They're just going to stretch themselves thin. 
you figure they are going to have a lot of instances with this payback and SummerSlam thing where either they're going to split the difference and do half the matches on SummerSlam and half the matches on payback, or they're going to do that kind of thing where they have like, we're building all the matches up for SummerSlam and heading into it, everybody's going, well, you have got nothing set up for payback. What are you going to do? And then at SummerSlam, it's a bunch of shenanigans. Like, you know how they did with like Asuka and Nia Jax have a double count out and then Asuka beats Nia Jax the next night on Raw? And it's like, well, then why did you bother doing that? And the, uh, the Sasha Banks and Alexa, uh, Asuka thing ends up being this like a referee that doesn't really count and whatever, but we're going to do that in two weeks on raw and whatever. They'll probably do that kind of crap where it's like at SummerSlam, somebody gets pinned with their shoulders down uh, or they're uh, with the, the other person's shoulders down at the same time. Somebody else, they were tapping out, but they had their foot under the rope and this other person, well, you know, this, you shouldn't have really said that that was an I quit match. Cause they didn't say I quit. Like, and, and then they just do a rematch at Payback. And nobody's going to want to care at that because then it's just going to be you wasted SummerSlam and then now you're redoing it again at Payback. They can't exist on repeats. And that's all they're doing is stretching things out. I mean, we've been complaining about WWE repeating the same shit for years. They've never got... It's just... A lot of these things are going to get highlighted a lot worse when the product is as bad as it is. Yep. Uh, we'll see what happens when it comes to payback, but that means that over these next couple of weeks, we're going to have, I don't know what for the main event next week. Then the week after that, we're going to have the top rope list in some fashion of the NXT stars. And then we're going to have one, two, three, four pay-per-view, uh, pay-per-view point episodes in a row. And then a week of question marks and then another pay-per-view <laughs> after that. Cause clash of champions is two weeks after All Out, which is the week after Payback, which is the week after SummerSlam, which is the day after TakeOver. But nah, WWE isn't oversaturated. Yeah, from August uh, 20, whatever it is, 22nd of TakeOver until Clash of Champions on September 19th or whatever it is, I think. It's going to be one, two, three, four, five pay-per-views over the course of a month. Man, that's going to be rough. But, hmm, got to do it. Uh, let's see. The only other, wait, this is the only other thing that I have left. Yeah, I think this is the only thing left other than yeah, TV we've talk. Yeah, we through a lot of them. Is uh the Deadly Draw tournament that's happening in AEW might be airing 7 p.m. Monday night on YouTube instead of actually happening on Dark or Dynamite. I mean, I can't blame them. Like, if that's the one where they're gonna throw women together, like throw the uh ra- women just together in random teams, right? Yep. Yeah, of course. They're gonna like I wouldn't want to put that on one of my shows either. It's gonna bomb. <laughs> Seven PM on Monday nights on uh, YouTube though. To me that's it's kind of interesting that they want to use that as like a lead in to Raw. Just imagine a bunch of people unfamiliar with each other teaming up for the first time to take each other on. It's like it's not gonna work out well. And nobody knows the characters that well, so it's gonna be hard to honestly care or give a shit. You mean you're um, not excited that Cameron is back? <laughs> Like, if they did this with just a bunch of, they could. I just don't get it. I don't get the appeal to it. I would have rather just the women had a singles tournament. I would have enjoyed that a lot more. Even just if they're doing this tournament, just stretch it out over the course of the next few weeks on dark. You do it on dark. If you don't want to do it on dynamite. Yeah, just do a couple matches each time, or even one. You can get away with uh, stretching it out a long time, but. As a whole event, it does not sound appealing to me. Yeah, we'll see how it ends up working out with who's in the tournament and how this goes, but I'm not excited to have another whole hour each week to watch. Really burned out as it is, and if it's just, this is happening on top of everything else, be like, God damn it. (laughs) What, is it going to be a weekly tournament show, or is it going to just be one night? No, no, this is going to be for the course of a couple weeks. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. And oddly enough, they advertised it as happening this summer, which it's August and it hasn't happened yet. Summer is like two thirds over. Well, they're not being given much to work with, but if they can pull it off and make it great, hats off to these women. Yep. Well, let's talk about the TV stuff here. Um, 
Did you check out Dynamite? Oh, no. <laughs> Still that random accent there. <laughs> Not a whole lot that I really feel like talking about that we didn't already. You know, the, the Matt Cardona thing, the Ariane thing, um, Dark Order's feuding with everybody nowadays. Whatever. Darby Allen's going to lose to John Moxley from a world title match in the future. Nothing really standing out to me. If you guys have anything you really wanted me to chime in about, then drop a comment below and I'll respond. Uh, MJF got a good promo. That's good. Does, does Jericho still look old as shit? Yeah. It's a shame. He still, uh, his jacket still smells like orange juice. So. The stuff from Monday Night Raw, looking back on that, we got uh, Andrade and Angel Garza are going to be fighting for the tag titles. We've seen that before a handful of times already this year, so I'm not really all that surprised about that or all that interested in just repeating the same thing for the ninth time or whatever. Nia Jax seems like she might be feuding with Shayna Baszler, which is kind of strange. We got... Was this week? The week with... um Yeah, this is the week that Sasha Banks beat Asuka to win the Raw Women's title. And Kyrie Sane is gone. I'm sad that Kyrie's gone. Um, I heard for a while. I didn't even know if the rumors were true because I kept hearing people debunk it. But yeah, it seems like she's gone. Um, don't know the exact reason for it, but it makes me sad. <laughs> That's disappointing. The Sasha Banks title wins disappointing to me too because it just seems like WWE doesn't quite understand how. I mean. Look, maybe there's something behind the scenes that I'm unaware of, but to me, I would assume the more focus that you put on any act, whatever it is, to take up more screen time and that your TV ratings don't go up, that that's probably a good example that that isn't drawing the attention that you think that it is. Like if I, for instance, kept doing for the show, I spent half the time talking about the plugs. And then I started doing 60% of the time and 70% of the time. And I kept going. People must like the plugs. You know, they love when I mentioned fanboysanonymous.com, blah, 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 blah. And I started seeing the watch time go down. I would probably assume that maybe the things that I keep doing the most about is not something people want to really watch. And WWE is very much in this idea that they think that Banks and Bailey are just like the best thing in the world. And I can't stand it in a lot of ways. I like both of them in their own way but they are they there's no titles other than nxt that they don't have on these two they want them on both shows as the focal point for two women's divisions i'm not a fan yeah it's a bit rough when they are uh, we keep talking about uh, wwe being oversaturated or i say i should i'm the one that keeps talking about it but it goes to this as well if you've got them on every single show the acts are gonna get tired it's gonna get drawn out um they've had their moments that make me laugh but honestly they grain on my nerves too after seeing them for too long and it's multiple segments each week too because it's not like they're showing up on both raw and smackdown for six minutes it's cutting a promo, being there for a match, and then cutting a backstage promo afterward, usually almost every single time. And then they've got their spots where they're on a commentary as well. Mm -hmm. So even if they're not wrestling, if they're just yapping away on the uh, commentary thing, they're doing the same thing. And I'm not into it. I'm not into the idea that this is a way for them to potentially stretch this out even longer and to just have Asuka versus Sasha at SummerSlam or something especially because there's no good option for Bailey, So that makes SummerSlam feel shitty. And if you tell me, well, the plan is to do that because they got payback the week afterward, well, then you're splitting the difference again. And I don't like that. You know, it's, let me have one. I'd rather have one good three-hour pay-per-view than two repeat, waste-time, six-hour events. You know, sometimes quantity and quality just isn't the same. Shit. Just preaching to the choir here. Mm. The less WWE, the better. Yeah. Not into a lot of the things that happened on Raw, including that stuff. I mean, a lot of it was just sort of spinning the same wheels. You know, we got the, the Hurt Business doesn't have anything to do right now until Apollo Crews comes back. If they do have SummerSlam on a cruise ship, 
And they don't have Apollo crews. I mean, come on. <laughs> Main event right there. McIntyre is going to fight Randy Orton at SummerSlam. We know that. That could be that's fun. That's actually something I'm really happy about. It's um, McIntyre is a nice change of pace. He's like one of those champions that look like a champion from the SD year. He's just fucking gigantic. Um, it'll be interesting seeing Rhett having getting to see Orton work with somebody like that because he's been working with a lot of smaller guys. And Big Show. Yeah, no one cares about Big Show. But yeah, Big Show's not walking around like uh, Drew McIntyre is. So it's a change of pace. And it's the biggest match that they could possibly do for Raw right now. So why not? I like it. It'll be interesting to see how it happens, too, because obviously we'll talk about this when we get into our predictions, but I'm kind of cool with both of them winning. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it going either way. Uh, Orton carries himself as a champion all the time, and it always feels like every like year to a year and a half, Orton's do a title run. So <laughs> he hasn't dipped in for a while. How many times is he champion now? He's 12? I wanted to say nine, but is it really that high? Fuck. Let me double check. I I think he might be at 12, but he might actually be at 13 or 14. He's close to to Cena, but I mean, he's not 16. I know that. Let's see how many times we got here. Good old Wikipedia. He's held the WWE Championship nine times. That's where I got nine from. And he's held the World Championship four times. So 13. Mm -hmm. He's only a couple away from being a part of that Cena and Flair 16 time club. A 14, I think, is uh, Triple H. I think that's what I'm thinking. So maybe they need to have another No Mercy 2009, I think is what it was, where it went from Orton to Triple H to Orton. <laughs> <laughs> they do that. They just do that two or three times, and then they're like, over the course right. of one event, they both had to be in 16-time champs. Well, I'm sure out of all the people, Flair's not going to be upset if Orton's the one that reaches that. And Triple H. Yeah. Hell yeah, Two obviously. of his boys. <laughs> Let's go over to NXT. That was uh, Yoshirai and Tegan Knox beat Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai. Johnny Gargano beat Roderick Strong. Mercedes Martinez beat Shotzi Blackheart. Ridge Holland is going to be moving from NXT UK over to NXT. I actually like Ridge Holland, so I'm kind of interested in that. Keith Lee cut a promo about Karrion Cross, and he beat up Cameron Grimes afterward. Imperium beat Everrise. Isaiah Swerve Scott beat Jake Atlas, and we had our next qualifier for the North American title match. Dexter Loomis beat Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher. Kind of surprised about that. I thought that that was going to be Finn Balor's to win. Yeah, it takes me off guard. Um, who did he get the pin on? Because I didn't watch NXT. Uh, I think it was Thatcher. Okay, I was going to say, I'd be surprised if uh, Balor took the fall for that. Well, then maybe that means they've got world title plans for Balor and um, Blader. Honestly, Keith Lee versus Balor, I wouldn't mind watching. Yeah, I'm totally down for that match. A lot of these people in NXT, even though it doesn't feel as much like it's like the golden era of NXT with a lot of the other things. I mean, I like Timothy Thatcher. Finn Balor, I think, is overrated in some ways, but Finn Balor's still Finn Balor. He's not a bad addition to the roster at all. You're not wrong. I think Times really made me aware of how much uh, Finn Balor was overrated and how much uh, great booking on NXT benefited him. Mm -hmm. He was the best he was was in NXT. He moved to the main roster. He had some good stuff. You know, I had a really good match with AJ Styles and stuff, but this is actually playing into something that uh, it's an article that's coming up soon for me where I, out of all the things to suggest, one of the things I suggested was Finn Balor should go to SmackDown and be a main eventer or an upper mid Carter around that kind of range, have his matches with Styles and Brian and Riddle and Gulak and all these kind of guys. And they should move Bo Dallas over to NXT and he should be a potential main eventer in NXT. Bring him back. Make him a, a star again. It kind of seems weird to say Balor and Bo Dallas would be equal to each other, but NXT, it's a different story, you know? I, see, that seems a weird trade, but I'm a big fan of that Bo Dallas era of NXT. I loved his feud with Pac, where I wouldn't mind seeing him get a, a boost again. He's only 30. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And they're not, not going to fire him anytime soon because... <laughs> they want to stay on good terms with Bray, I imagine. Yeah, so if he's only 30 years old and you can bring him back to NXT and you make him seem like a big deal because he's a former NXT champion going back and he can get repackaged and actually maybe be something, you know, that could uh, play really well. I don't know why they don't necessarily do that. but Since he was a motivational speaker last time, he should be a demotivational speaker this time and just have demotivational posters as his uh, uh, Titan Tron. <laughs> it's old school memes. 
But Dexter Loomis getting in there is surprising to me because that means out of the five people, Dexter Loomis and Bronson Reed, they're kind of going for this like underdog new North American champion thing at the very least right now. Kind of making me wonder if the next group of the three other people are going to be not even the people that I thought were guarantees. Like I thought, I thought Balor was like a guarantee. I thought that Cameron Grimes and Damian Priest would definitely get in. Next week, the match is going to be Ridge Holland, uh, Oni Lorcan, and Damian Priest. And I'm like, at this point, Ridge Holland probably is going to get in there. And Robert's right, man. Freaking uh... Bronson Reed. <laughs> Bronson Chunk is the one to watch. It might be. They gave him a video package this week where he said the whole uh, the boyhood dream came true for Shawn Michaels and at TakeOver, the thick boy dream is going to come true. <laughs> so that was interesting. I'm curious to see what happens next week, of course. NXT's the most fun out of all these shows to watch, so Wednesday nights are... They're fun until I have to watch AEW right afterward, and then I'm like, oh my god, I've been working all day. This is so tiresome. <laughs> Uh, and then we also had SmackDown. Uh, Grand Metalik lost to AJ Styles in a 27-minute match, I think, to start the show for the Intercontinental title. It was pretty good. No, no surprises there. Yeah, not shocked about that one. And Styles afterward was like, LOL, and just attacked on the Saderato, too. <laughs> just for the sake of it. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, King Corbin talked to Shorty G backstage, and he's like, hey, how about you like uh, turn heel? And Shorty G's like, I'll think about it. So... King Corbin beat Drew Gulak and Chad Gable, Shorty G, whatever you want to call him, attacked Matt Riddle after the war, uh, after the match. So I got a heel turn. Shorty G is now a villain. I should have quite liked that heel turn. Hey, want to be a dick? All right. Yeah. <laughs> he essentially was like, hey, you've been overlooked and Matt Riddle sucks, right? Come on. He's like, I'll think about it. You're going to pay me I'll some money? Your, I'll be your friend. That, that actually was a part of it. <laughs> It was insane. Oh, we think we're friends now. We've been friends and all those little things. So it actually was kind of, I'll be your friend. <laughs> kind of sad. Um, Seamus has said that he's done with fighting Jeff Hardy and that he's just going to move on to some other feuds in the future. And That's I thought cool. that it was kind of funny that he said, oh, the reason I lost to Jeff Hardy in a bar fight was he had home field advantage. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> I like that. That was, that was good. <laughs> good little touch on that. Uh, I, I'm assuming that the King Corbin Matt Riddle feud goes to SummerSlam and then King Corbin and Jeff Hardy are going to be feuding after that because they did have that little kind of thing so maybe that's going to be payback or something and Sheamus probably moves on to maybe be the next challenger for Braun Strowman that'd be kind of interesting yeah you say so I'd be down for one fight with him like payback you do Sheamus versus uh, Strowman or something like that? Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Big E know, is doing... Good. Maybe I've just fell asleep on Strowman, but I've got no interest in it, man. <laughs> they killed him for me. They nuded him. He didn't get to the spot that he should have gotten to when he should have gotten to it, but I'm a big Strowman fan. And it's weird that they have him, like... Now he's, like, on a part train or whatever it is, but, like... <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you get the big guy, and he goes out there, and he's just like, I'm going to kick grass. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> no, I like that better than just watching uh, a bunch I, of flippity flips every once in a while, you know, to change of pace. I know they're capable of having a good match. I mean, I've seen Sheamus have um, like good matches with big guys. He had a great match with the Big Show, which was shocking. Um, but it's just the characters got so meh that I'm having a hard time getting motivated for it. Well, Big E had his first singles match in a while outside of, I mean, he's had plenty of singles matches, but you know, it's been like part of the new day kind of thing. They're harping on this whole idea of him trying to break out on his own right now. And he beat the Miz by submission, which did not see that coming, but I liked it. So yeah, so you looked into it. Cause um, that was one of the parts that I missed out on. He was using the stretch muffler. It's just to me, that's not a move I've seen all that often. And it basically looked like he just picked the miss up and ragdolled him. It was just kind of like, yeah, fuck your back, fuck your leg. <laughs> you know, just sort of like twist him around. And I'm like, you know what? That's cool. Like, Biggie's a big, strong dude. Let him pick people up and do that. Yeah, I like I'm it. down for it. It's a um, nice change because, frankly, I hate the big ending. I think it looks retarded. Uh, <laughs> It's a move where it looks like the guy gets hurt more than uh, 
where Big E gets hurt more than the guy, so a submission move is definitely something. Yeah, but, the big uh, ending has never been one of my favorite finishers. It looks like if you did it the opposite way, it would hurt. I feel like if you just th- threw them more to the side when he landed, it would look better. Kind of like fell down, but threw him when he was falling? Yeah, you know, Brock f- like throws them and falls to the ground. like Something like that, it would look better. Just anything to create more of an emphasis on the guy getting drove into the ground. Yeah, now he's got a submission move, though, so I guess you could do both. Pick somebody up, do the big ending, set them up for the submission. That could work. Um, either way, I like that. Uh, it seems like Lucha House Party might be feuding with Cesaro and Nakamura. I'm not really into that. Naomi and uh, beat Lacey Evans. I don't really care. <laughs> Sonya Deville started cutting Mandy Rose's hair. And that seems like if they don't go in the direction of a hair versus hair match, then what are they doing? Well, that's the first vibe I got from that when she was chopping it off. And I actually really liked this segment. Uh, Sonya Deville may came off as a crazy bitch, um, did what she needed to do. Uh, I liked that she just casually cut off another piece of her hair before she kicked her in the face. I got a chuckle out of that one. I really like this segment. Um, if they don't go with a hair versus hair, though, it's completely wasted. Do you like the Miz and Morrison afterward cracking those little puns? <laughs> Saying like, uh, don't cut that short. And uh, <laughs> I like it when they're being goofballs together. It's yeah. hard not to enjoy it. You can tell that they have a lot of fun with doing that kind of stuff. So, and it's puns. I love my puns. You know, you like puns? Nah, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey then retained the SmackDown Women's Championship over Nikki Cross. Have you heard that this year or last year? Huh? At all? <laughs> And they had Nikki Cross push Alexa Bliss down, and The Fiend gave uh, the Mandible Claw to Alexa Bliss to end the show. So I guess they're going with the idea that uh, she's going to be like the damsel in distress for Braun to save, maybe? Yeah, I didn't quite see this one coming, uh, but I don't know if I like the segment. I mean, it wasn't offensive. I couldn't care less about the Nikki Cross and Bailey feud. The yeah, theme thing was interesting. That. The theme, that's the theme. This thing is what I'm on about. I couldn't give a shit about that match. But yep. yeah, him just sticking his uh, fingers down her throat. It's uh, got definitely a different feel than when he's doing it to a dude. Yeah, do you think that he had to pay her $400? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you were the guy, if by any chance, if you're the person who spent $400 on that cameo and you're listening to this show, you gotta leave a comment and tell me what you think. <laughs> I really want to know. But I mean, I liked the the whole Alexa is like this weird manifestation of Braun's desires, and Sister Abigail might be that. I liked that whole thing with this the Wyatt Swamp fight. And if they take that in that direction, and it's kind of like Braun Strowman needs to save the day and whatever, it's more interesting than just seeing Alexa turn on Nikki or Nikki turn on Alexa and have them feud. At least there's some consistency with Alexa and Braun, because weren't they a tech team when they were doing that... Um, Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah, the Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah, they were Team Little Big. Yeah, I remember that. And they had that spot where she got knocked in off in the apron and landed in his arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's actually one of the few things they're pretty consistent on. It's a rare instance where they remembered something and they took it in a different direction and they kind of piggybacked off of that in a way that wasn't just ridiculous and... It's kind of strange when, like, you see something like that happen, and I'm like, you know, this might not be the best thing in the world, but I like it. And then you see some other things, and you're like, my God, how many times do we need to see Seth Rollins and Murphy take somebody and they slam their head in the steel steps? And it's just like, oh, there's those three guys doing that thing again. Oh, Dominic came over to them, and they attacked them, but uh, now they fought. We'll see this next week. Same writers. Like, I don't know. I don't get it. Then again, how many TV shows really have like they don't have a bad episode every once in a while or they have a good episode out of like a string of bad ones or something. So either way, I like the Alexa Bliss thing. Oh, that was kind of interesting. I was getting all geared up to do the whole Alexa turned on Nikki or Nikki turned on Alexa heel turn type of thing. And when the whole thing happened with Braun uh, with uh, Bray Wyatt, I was like, you know what? Cool. It was yeah, a nice but... change of pace, especially after having to watch that Bailey Nikki match. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, yeah, it was definitely something different, and it's something that they have a hard time coming up with. So, oh, well, that's it. Those are the TV shows of the week. We're not going to talk about main event or dark because they don't really matter. And uh, there's nothing really to talk about on Two or Five Live. It was one match, and Arya Davari saying, "Hey, I'm coming back." So, yeah, whatever. But I don't have any other hot tags. Do you have anything else you think we should be touching on? No, but everything else is a lukewarm tag, so I think we're good. Or one of those hot rags. <laughs> <laughs> hot rags. Hot rags. Get your hot rags here. Would you like a hot rag when you're in flight? <laughs> yeah, so drop your comments below. Tell us your thoughts on these and anything else. Maybe something else happens in the meantime when this comes up and we you know, didn't talk about it at midnight or so. But if that's the case, we'll talk about it the next time around or we'll talk about it in the comments or we'll incorporate that into whatever the next main event is, which we haven't figured out yet. So drop your also your suggestions in the comments below for what you'd like to see next week and we'll get around to doing that next Wednesday or whenever we end up doing it. Uh, I will talk about some other things in a moment. I'll give Wego a chance to plug a couple things here right now, though. All right, so I'm going to be setting up a uh, new Twitch channel with my wife in the coming weeks. I'm going to have a name and other things announced uh, soon, so uh, just keep your ears pierced. I'll be over on these shows on a regular basis, so you'll hear more from me later. And you guys should be hearing the next thing from us. Is will be uh, is will be. That's how that works. Uh, will be the Paul Heyman Smackdown podcast that Robin Callum had recorded the other day. That's going up uh, a couple of hours after this one. I think it's like four o'clock on Saturday or so. So stay tuned for that. They'll be recording another episode, of course. It's every single week for the while. And if we do anything else in the meantime, if you're subscribed to the channel, you'll get some kind of a notification. But I'm assuming that that's probably going to be it for this week. And then next week, we'll carry on with whatever we're doing. And we'll just see you when we see you, everybody. But thanks for listening to this. And this has been another Smart Cat moment. We're being counted out.